Thank you, choir. Thank you, Brother Lawrence. Thank you for singing with us. We join our hearts and our minds together um, in congregational worship And if you are part of congregational worship, if you are worshiping with your brothers and sisters, bring your voices, your hearts, and your minds together to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We all come together and we sing the same song and we have the same spirit. In these moments, we get just a little taste of heaven. Amen? There is a song that's being sung around the throne over and over and over, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? And we're going to join with them one day. And it's going to be an awesome day. Amen? We're looking forward to that. If you're not looking forward to that... You don't know Jesus. It's as simple as that. You don't know Him. But when you know Him, there's joy in your heart. When you know Him, you long to look on His face. When you know Him, your heart swells when you think about that day when you're going to be in His presence. You got your Bibles with you this morning? Turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and I am, I am pleased this morning. We do have the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate together at the end of our service today, and, and we'll reflect on the body of our Lord that was broken for us. We'll reflect on His blood that was shed. Um, usually it is our custom to have the Lord's Supper on the second Sunday of the month. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that this morning, to celebrating the Lord's Supper with you and reflecting on the goodness of Christ. And, and oftentimes, when we have the Lord's Supper, I feel sort of some pressure to, to sort of, um, in some way, maybe shorten my sermon a little bit. But I don't feel that this morning. Some of y'all are like, well, I'm going to give you some pressure, Brother Paul. I don't feel that this morning because I know you're not hungry yet. All right? It's not time yet. I mean, you lost an hour, so I mean, really... You know, I mean, it's, it's actually, you know, you got, you gotta, it's going to be a while before you get hungry, all right? And so we're just going to feed on the Word this morning, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us, and as we always should. Um, but this morning, we are going to be talking about time. Uh, the title of the message is Knowing the Time. Knowing the Time. And I, and I take that right from our text today. And in Romans chapter 13, we've been walking through Romans chapter 13, and, and, and beginning in chapter 12, really, we got into what is a, a much more, uh, what we would think of as practical application and how we're to live the Christian life. The first 11 chapters of Romans were highly theological. It's, it's those first 11 chapters of Romans are where we draw so much of our, our Christian doctrine. You know, we draw it from those chapters, and then we get to chapter 12, 13, and then all the way through the end of the book, all the way through chapter 16, and we begin to focus, or we do focus, more on how we are to live out this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And in chapter 13, particularly, because we've talked about our relationship to governing authorities. See, back in chapter 12, we began with our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then we began to talk about in that ethical, those ethical teachings there in chapter 12, we talked about how we're to love God, how we're to love one another within the body of Christ, and how we're to love our neighbor. And then uh, as we moved into chapter 13, we talked about how we're to live in a society that is governed by worldly authorities, how we can live and glorify God while we interact with those authorities. And then last week, we brought that to sort of a conclusion as we looked at what the Apostle Paul said about even paying taxes and, and, and paying obligations. And, and he warns the church in Rome, don't over-obligate yourselves. Don't, every obligation that you make, it, it's going to pull on you in a certain way. And the more obligations you have, the more difficult it's going to be to glorify and, and serve the Lord with all of your life. And then what we read this morning is sort of the bookend. Chapter 12 and verse 1 is, is one bookend. You know, we read that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, or our, our pure act of worship. We read that back at the beginning, and he talks about how to do that. And then we get here to the end of chapter 13, and what we're reading here today is sort of the bookend. And that's why it begins with besides all this. Besides all these things that we've talked about that are somewhat pragmatic in nature, you've got to obey the authorities because if you don't obey the authorities, you're going to be hindered in your relationship with Jesus Christ because you're not recognizing that He's the one who puts all authority in place. But also, you're going to be hindered because you might find yourself in jail. And if we're going to be put in jail, if we're going to be persecuted, we want it to be because we're telling people about Jesus and not because we didn't pay our taxes or because we drove too fast or because we stole something from someone. If we're going to be hindered from sharing the gospel, we want it to be because we're sharing the gospel and not for any other reason. And so there's somewhat of a pragmatic nature to some of the teachings that Paul is giving, but he's going to bring it back in these verses to the person of Christ, the call of Christ, the message of Christ that's to be shared through our lives and through our witness. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you'd stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. And let's look here together in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And so he says, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray we would hear your word today. Pray that we would receive your word today. And Lord Jesus, help us obey your word today. Spirit, we know that you are here among us, that you are within each one who knows, you, who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would give us, give us understanding and strengthen us, Lord, that we might humble ourselves and submit 
to the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we are going to begin each one of the points that we're going to be looking at this morning or the things that the outline that we're going to be pulling from this passage of Scripture. We're going to begin each one with, with this, this idea of knowing the time. Knowing the time. Um, I wish I was clever enough to say I planned that for the Sunday that we were going to spring forward, okay? I actually just now... Right this moment, as I'm looking at this outline, I'm like, boy, that would have been real sharp. You know, I should have just let y'all think. You know, I thought that up. But it's right here in the Scripture. Knowing the time. We begin in there in verse 11 by realizing that, that since we know the time, we should shake off all spiritual lethargy. Knowing the time, we should shake off all spiritual lethargy. Look there with me in verse 11. He says, besides all this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What is spiritual lethargy? That word lethargy, we understand what it means to be lethargic, don't we? You've heard someone go see, you, someone's going to see someone in the hospital and they say, well, how were they doing? Well, they were just lethargic. And what do we mean by that? We mean that they're, they're just really not able to respond. They're, they're, they're sleeping, or, or maybe they're unconscious. Maybe they're even in a coma. This idea of being lethargic, now there are certain degrees of it. Some people are lethargic, and, and they, they have a certain sense of awareness, but they're not aware of everything. They have a hard time responding. They don't, they don't really know what's going on. They may not know where they are. And oftentimes, as a Christian within the church, right here at Emmanuel, but in a larger sense, within the church, the American church, sometimes I feel like I'm sleepwalking among a bunch of people who are sleepwalking. Now, I'm not fussing at you. I just said I was sleepwalking too. Because I believe that oftentimes... We go through our lives and we are so fixated on the things around us, the things of the world, that spiritually speaking, we are in a stupor. We are lethargic. We're functioning on some level, but we are not aware. We are not discerning. We are not even um, awake enough to discern what's going on in the spiritual realm. So, well, Brother Paul, of course we can't. We can't know what's going on in the spiritual realm, really. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here today and, and pretend to be able to tell you that I can discern everything that's taking place, but I do know this. I know that when I, when I am in tune to the Word of God, I know that when I'm reading God's Word, I know that when I'm asking the Spirit to guide me, I know that, that when I am awake, when I'm praying, when I'm praying without ceasing and I'm asking the Lord to help me see people who need a touch from Him. Lord, make me aware of people who are hurting that I can pray with. Lord, make me aware of people who are lost, who I can share the gospel with. When I'm going about my day with that attitude, with that desire intentionally seeking the Lord in every conversation, I am amazed at all the places it seems that God is working. 
But then I'm also disheartened. I'm also disheartened when I look back over the course of the last week sometimes, or I look back over the course of the last two weeks sometimes. Sometimes when I look back over the course of the last month or two months or even six months, and I feel like in that moment that, that God is sort of shaking me awake. And He says to me, Have you not been seeing anything that I've been doing? Have you been sleepwalking for the last month spiritually? Because you have missed all these things. You haven't seen me working. And it's not because I stopped working. I'm still working as much as I ever have. You're just missing out. Have any of you sensed that? Any of you? Maybe one or two of you? Praise God. There's a couple of honest people here. I'm glad to see that. All right. We need to wake up. Because the time is short. He says, knowing the time. Realizing that this time is fleeting. As he says in Ephesians, the days are evil. They are passing away and we will never get yesterday back. It's gone. And every person in this room, we have less time on this earth ahead of us than we did an hour ago. Time is a finite resource. And every relationship that you and I have, we are in for a finite period of time other than the relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we need to wake up. Shake off this spiritual lethargy. See, this isn't anything new. You know, we think this is something that's just happening in our time, but, but if you read what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 through 27, He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And it could be today. And we are to live that way. We're to live as those who are children of the day, and we know that day is approaching. And so we are wise in this day to be about our Father's business. Because we know when the Lord Jesus comes back, the opportunity for repentance is going to be over. And so we ought to be extending that today to those around us. We ought to be living for Him before those who are watching so that our witness will have power. And so knowing the time, we shake off spiritual lethargy. And, and how do we do that? Well, first we discern God's purpose in your salvation. I want to encourage you today to discern God's purpose in your salvation. Why did God save you? This is a question that we can, we can find this in the Scripture. Why did God save you? Well, you say, well, Brother Paul, He, he saved me because He loves me. Well, this is true. Absolutely. For God so loved the world. Amen. He did save you, yes. He was motivated by His love to show His love, to, to show forth His glory in His love for sinful humanity. You say, well, Brother Paul, He, he saved me so that He might put His grace on display. Well, that's a, that's a high and holy thing, and you're absolutely right. Now, let me explain to you what that means. 
When you say he saved me so that his grace might be put on display, okay, that means when you get to heaven, everybody's going to walk around, they're going to look at you and say, praise God for his grace, because that joker would never have made it without him. If it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, he'd still be dead in his sin. She'd still be dead in her sin. And praise God, we will all be that way. When we get to heaven, we're going to be trophies of God's grace. The heavenly hosts are going to look at us and they're going to say, God is so gracious. He's such a good, gracious, and compassionate God. All those things are true. But those things fall within God's larger purpose in your salvation. His larger purpose in all that He does, which is to bring glory and honor to Himself. God's ultimate mission. God's ultimate mission is His glory. So that sounds kind of selfish. Not when you're the Creator. Not when you're the Almighty God. If it were not for Him, nothing would exist. God has created all things for His glory. And we have been born again that we might glorify Him in a special way. What way? The way God created Adam and Eve to glorify Him. By bearing His image. By doing His will. We've been born again, not in the image of Adam. We've been born again in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so during this day, knowing the time, knowing that this time of grace is only going to go on so long, we are to discern our purpose in our salvation. And our purpose is to glorify God by putting Jesus Christ on display in all that we are, all that we say, all that we do, that others might see Christ in us. Amen? This is the will of God for you, for me. We discern God's purpose in our salvation. He says there in chapter 13, wake up. Wake up from your sleep. Shake off this spiritual lethargy. Discern God's purpose for your salvation and repent of fleshly pursuits. Repent of fleshly pursuits pursuits because you see this is where we as christians fall into this lethargy where we fall into this state of sleepwalking we get we lose sight of christ now how crazy is that romans excuse me hebrews chapter 12 fix your eyes on jesus fix your eyes on jesus 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that we're to look into the face of Christ. And we look into the face of Christ, we are changed from glory to glory. From the glory of man to the glory of God. When we fix our eyes on Jesus. But in order to do that, we have to take our eyes off the things of the world, don't we? We all have these obligations. He just talked about that here in chapter 13. We have all these fleshly obligations that are common to all men and women. We all have to work on some level. Some of you are retired and you found out you're busier retired than you were when you were working. It happens. 
Because in this world, there will always be work to do. We all have responsibilities to our families. We all have to pay taxes. We all have to pay our debts. But as we think about that this morning, there's a whole lot of things that we do on a daily basis that we do not have to do. How many of you have gotten to the end of a day and you realize at the end of a day or a week, maybe two weeks or a month, that you've set aside your Bible readings, you've set aside prayer. Any of you, can, any of you ever witness that? Ain't that ever happened to any of y'all? All right, yeah. Man, y'all are making me feel real unholy because nobody else, that's never happened to anybody else but me, all right? Have any of you gotten to the end of the day and realized that you had not read the Bible? Thank, thank you, all right, all right, thank you. There's some of y'all are hardcore, y'all are like, I'm not raising my hand for anything. Might put me on a committee or something. That's not what this is about, all right? I'm just being transparent with you. I want you to be transparent with me. Guess what? The Lord, He knows what's in your heart already. And we get to the end of the day and we say, well, you know what, I, didn't, I just didn't have time to read my Bible today. I didn't have time really to pray like I should have. But if you're honest, you'll go back into an inventory of your day and what do you find out? There were all these moments, there were all these moments that, that we spend, sometimes more than moments, sometimes periods of time that we get caught up in this mindless drivel. That's not a theological term, okay? But it's something that we've all experienced. We would rather go into this state of lethargy than to actively pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Our flesh longs for our flesh, our minds, they long for this, this sort of just relaxed state. Well, why don't we relax in the Lord? Why don't we rest in Him? You see, we are to shake ourselves from this spiritual lethargy. I've, <laughs> I've done some driving late at night. Okay? I've done some driving late at night on, on numerous occasions, and, and, I, and I've done some driving when I've been very, very tired. And I'll find myself sometimes just having to do this. Any of y'all ever have to do that when you're driving? All right? I have to do that. There's a reason for that, because if I don't do that, I'm not falling asleep. I'm becoming hypnotized by the dots on the road. And I'm just kind of going into this state. You know, I'm driving, but yet I'm not really driving. And I have to shake myself away. And I feel like sometimes in our, in our spiritual lives, we need to shake ourselves awake and we need to realize the days are short. Mamas, daddies, the days are short. Those children will be gone. And you will still know them. You will still have a wonderful place in their lives. But they will never be in your house again, we hope. All right? Grandparents, grandparents, your time of influence is short. Knowing the time, make the most of the time you have. It's going to be over. You see, discern God's purpose in your salvation. Repent of fleshly pursuits. 
Think about the books you're reading, those grandchildren, the books you're reading your children. Do they really need to know about all these different characters? Or do they need to know Jesus Christ? We know, don't we? Knowing the time. Shake off spiritual lethargy, but also pursue sanctification. Look with me in verses 12 through 14. This is the bulk of this passage. Look at verse 12. The night is nearly over and the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk in decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity or in promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Pursue sanctification. In Hebrews chapter 12, in the same chapter where we read to fix our eyes on Jesus, in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, we read, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. You see, that word sanctification, that's a, that's a big old, I mean, that's a, that's a $12 word, isn't it? That's one of those church words. You know what it means? Holiness. To be set apart. To be totally dedicated to the Lord. That's what it means to be sanctified. It means to be fully dedicated to the Lord's service, to be dedicated to the Lord's use, to be set aside for holy, godly things. That's what it means to be sanctified. You're made pure. And God's Word's pretty clear. We are sanctified when we are saved. We're set apart and we're able to do God's work even in these old stinking fleshly bodies we have. Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we can serve and honor the Lord. Amen? Praise God. And so we've been sanctified by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we are also to be completing our sanctification. That means I am to be pursuing holiness. That's why we read in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. And so we're to pursue our sanctification. Here in this passage, what do we read? What does it look like to pursue our sanctification? Well, look there with me. It's pretty clear. At the, in, there in the middle of, of verse 12, we read, So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the army, armor of light. You keep going there and you look and it says, let us walk with decency in the daytime, not, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's saying the same thing in different ways. He doesn't want there to be any gray area. What does it mean to pursue sanctification? It means to put off the world and our worldly desires, those things that would lead us toward evil and cultivate evil within us, lay those things aside and put on Christ. Fill our minds, fill our hearts, pursue those things that will grow us in godliness and make us look more like Jesus. Look at the life of Christ. Look at the things He left behind. Look at the things He set aside. Look at the things that He did not allow to distract Him. And you do the same. You put those things aside and look at what Christ did, how He lived, what He was about, and how He was surrendered to the Father's will, and you walk in His paths. So 
what does this look like practically in your life? Well, first, you get into God's Word and you expose sin by the light of Scripture. Expose sin by the light of Scripture. If you want to know what to put off, if you want to know what to leave behind, open this book and it'll tell you. It'll tell you. I mean, we literally just read some things here, didn't we? I mean, we literally read not in carousing, drunkenness, sexual impurity, promiscuity, quarreling, and jealousy. Can any of you say that you've ever been tempted to do any of those things? I'm glad there's one back in the back. All right, you say, Brother Paul, you keep, you keep narrowing this down, and there's some sins I may not want people to know I've been tempted to do. Every person in this room has been tempted in every one of these areas. I did not say that you've fallen into gross sin in these areas. I said you've been tempted in these areas because our flesh is bent towards sin. Period. And so how do we pursue sanctification? By putting off those desires and pursuing Christ. Expose sin by the light of Scripture. And then wage war on the flesh by the Spirit. Now this sounds like some kind of weird self-hatred kind of thing going on here, doesn't it? To wage war on the flesh by the Spirit. But I read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, where the Apostle Paul says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. There's this thing today that I, I, I hear the, you know, I hear folks talking about. All right, folks that are, gener you know, I, I'm at the point now, I, when, I, when I used to talk about the young generation, I was talking about my generation. And I've made, a, I've made a switch now. now. Now my children are in that younger generation. I'm older now. I get that, okay, because I'm already starting to sound like my dad in a lot of ways, but especially when I talk about the younger generation, okay? But there's these things that people talk about now. That there's, there's these little words, these little catchphrases like self-care. Y'all heard that one? Self-care. You've got to practice self-care. I don't think that's that bad. I think they're just talking about taking care of yourself. You ought to take care of yourself. But then they have other ones called self-love. Self-love. You've got to love yourself. You've got you to take care of yourself. You've got to do all these things for yourself, for yourself, for yourself, for yourself. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm looking around. It looks like everybody's taking care of yourself. All right? Most of you are relatively clean, as far as I can tell. All right? I hadn't done the sniff test. I hadn't come over there and, you know... But most of you look like you're pretty clean. You, I look around, everybody's got clothes on, thank God. All right, that's a good thing. All right, so we praise God for that. I'm looking around, I don't see, I don't, I don't perceive that anybody here is malnourished. Okay? All right, I don't perceive that just by looking at you. Okay? You don't perceive that by looking at me. Now, I know there are people in this room who have different, different health issues and those kind of things. If you have a health issue, you need to address that issue. But the Lord Jesus Christ has called me to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. Deny myself daily. He said, if any man would come after me, any woman would come after me, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, 
take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would seek to save his life, he'll lose it. If anyone will lose his life for my sake, he'll find it. So what does it look like to wage war on on the flesh by the Spirit? It means we allow the Spirit to to help us discern things, things that are present in our flesh or the things that we're involved in in this world that cultivate unhealthy fleshly desires. Those things that are contrary to the revealed will of God given to us in His Word and brought to life through the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We wage war on the flesh by the Spirit. These negatives and positives in these verses make it very clear. Discard the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Walk with decency in the daytime, not in carousing or drunkenness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make any plans to gratify the flesh. It doesn't just happen, folks. We're to be intentional. And so knowing the time, knowing the time is short, shake off spiritual lethargy, pursue sanctification, and then lastly, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does this look like? We see it there in verse 14. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. In light of all that he has said prior to this, when we bring this concluding point here, we look at what Paul is saying. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How? Well, first, in our our lives, live for Jesus. Embody the truth of the gospel. Embody the truth of the gospel. We know the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is simply this. We were utterly, completely, in every way impossibly lost. Alienated from God. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And praise God, God spoke to us. God sent His Son, didn't He? The Lord Jesus came, didn't He? And He lived the life that we could never live. The Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, He conquered temptation, He conquered sin. He walked in perfect moral righteousness so that He might give His life a ransom for us. And He died on Calvary's cross and there He received all of God's wrath and punishment that I deserve and you deserve. He received it all there on the cross. He died in our place He rose from the dead. He appeared to His disciples. He ascended to the right hand of glory there in heaven. He's been given all power, all authority, and those who will put their faith and trust in Him, those who will repent of sin and believe on Christ, they may be saved. Hallelujah. Born again, reconciled to God, given spiritual life. That which was impossible, now it's who we are. This is the gospel. And so how do you embody the gospel? You embody the gospel by living like Jesus. 
in every conversation that you have, in every interaction that you have, in your interaction with the government, with your interaction with your neighbor, in your interaction with your family, with your interaction with people within the church, everywhere you go, you live as Christ in the world. That's how you embody it. You embody the truth of the gospel, but also you share the gospel. You share this world's only hope. We're to embody the gospel, but we're also to share it. When was the last time you shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking for any hands to be raised here today. And I don't know on this. You have been saved to show forth the glory of God. You have been saved to bear the image of Christ in the world. When was the last time you shared the good news of Jesus Christ? And you say, well, Brother Paul, I don't, I don't know how. I've heard all the excuses. I've heard all the excuses. I don't know how. I'm not good enough. You know, I, I'm not living right. I've heard all the excuses. I've heard them all and I've said them all. We've printed it on tracks. Every person in this room has access to a Bible. There is absolutely no reason why you should not be able to share the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus. You say, well, Brother Paul, that's not my gift. Salvation is your gift. <laughs> You've been given it. Why don't you share it? How many lost people are you praying for? Start praying for lost people. God will start putting lost people in your path to pray for. Start praying for lost people. He'll, he'll, he'll start showing you folks who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. When you start thinking about lost people, you'll start thinking about the way you live in front of them. And if you live in front of them as a, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, as one who's been born again, as one who bears the image of Christ, somebody's going to ask you eventually. And if they don't, then you're not doing it right. Oh, I don't mean that they'll ask you about Jesus, but they'll ask you why you didn't laugh at the joke they shared at the water cooler. They'll ask you why you're not upset because it's taken so long at the doctor's office. They'll ask you why you didn't return it and why you didn't shout back at the cashier that was rude to you. They'll ask that. You say, well, Brother Paul, I've never had anybody ask me any of those things. Maybe it's because you were rude to the cashier. Maybe it's because you got just as upset as the lost person in the doctor's office. Maybe... Maybe it's because we're not living in a way that shows that we're set apart in order to glorify the Lord. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't make any allowance to gratify the sinful flesh. And you will do that which you've been saved to do which is to make much of Jesus Christ. And you will have the opportunity to share the good news in, in deed, but also in word. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, more glorious than sharing the gospel and seeing the gospel work in somebody else's life. It's wonderful. But it's only wonderful to you if Jesus is wonderful to you.
I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd stand to your feet. And we're going to have a hymn of invitation at this time. And if you're here this morning, the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, and you're being convicted of your sin, your need for a Savior. Maybe there's some decision you need to make public before this congregation. Whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to respond as we sing this morning. If you're here today and you say, Brother Paul, I, I'm, just, I'm thankful to hear the Word. I'm thankful for the admonition of the Word, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to live. Praise God. I hope you've been encouraged to continue in that. Then take this time to ask the Lord Jesus to prepare your heart to receive the Lord's Supper, that you might reflect on the goodness of God that we commemorate when we think about the body that was broken and the blood that was shed.